Well, hello, everyone. My name is Juan Carlos Heredia, and I have the honor of serving as the pastor of the Spanish ministry here at Sugar Creek. And welcome to 2023. If this is your first time with us, we are so grateful that you've decided to be with us on the very first day of the year. We're thankful that you chose Sugar Creek as the place to start 2023. We are also grateful for all of those that are connecting with us online. Welcome as well to Sugar Creek. And I wanna, I wanna also welcome our entire Sugar Creek family that meets both at Missouri City and Richmond Rosenberg campuses. And I finally wanna thank Pastor Mark for the opportunity to share with you today. So as with every new year, more than likely, many of you have been thinking through the resolutions that you have for this year, the things that you wanna see improved in your life. Maybe you're thinking that this will finally be the year that you obtain those big goals in your life. And this will be the pivotal year that sets you on truly a journey of success. Now I think that when we do that, that's a valid and good exercise. Taking advantage of the new year, a fresh start, we definitely wanna redirect our lives on a good path. But what if, instead of just settling for having a good year, we went beyond that? What if we went to something more important than just having a good year? What if we planned and we worked towards having a good life? So, in order to do that, let me propose a question, an important question that's gonna help us think through this. Now, one caveat, for those of you that are young in the room, this is gonna be a tricky question. Because in your mind, you think that you're always gonna be young. You look at your parents, you look at other adults, and you go, oh, they look so old. Now I choose to be young. I'm gonna be young the rest of my life. But no one can achieve that. In fact, what you're gonna find out is that in a blink of an eye, time is gonna go by, because it happens to all of us. So this question is also for you. Ready? Here it is. In the end, what will your life count for? In the end, what will your life count for? See, we only live once, which means that we only have one chance, only one chance to get this right and make our life count for something. So what would it be for you? What will your life count for in the end? Now maybe you've been thinking through the goals for this year and you wanna see some of the things that in your mind is gonna make a difference in your life. Things that you're working for, planning for, sacrificing for. Things such as, uh, for uh, example, becoming the top of your class in school. Or maybe obtaining a PhD or a master's degree. Maybe it's finally being All-American in the sport that you play. Or maybe it's finally obtaining the title of Salesman of the Year, 1% earner. Maybe it's the idea of becoming a senior executive or CEO, or maybe achieving the mark of 1 million followers in your social media. And maybe you've been convincing yourself that once you obtain this, then you're truly gonna be winning in life. 
and you'll have it made. See, all of us have people that we admire and that we want to emulate. And we think to ourselves things such as, man, if I was in his shoes, if I was in her shoes, I know that I would be successful in life and that also I would be satisfied with what I've already achieved. But would that really be the case? Would that, would that really be so? Because what we're finding out is that those that make it to the top actually find that their lives is disappointing. Oh, Juan Carlos, those are the type of things that pastors love to say to guilt people into religion and to coax people into giving up their dreams. Do you really think so? Well, let, let me prove it to you if you don't believe me. Let me give you three examples of many that I could give you today to show that when you reach the top, it's not what it's cut out to be. First example is this. Several years ago, at the peak of his success, Brad Pitt was giving an interview for Rolling Stones magazine for one of his iconic movies, the, the movie Fight Club. And during the interview, he was talking about his character, which in that movie is someone that's achieved the American dream and yet remains unsatisfied. And he talks about how the standard that we've set as a society for success is one that has uh, moved people towards being disappointed in life, feeling isolated, feeling impotent. And in fact, he mentioned to the interviewer how this standard of success had, had caused in people a numbing of their soul, is what he said, and also a great atrophy of the spiritual being. And he talked about how he didn't want this for society and he didn't want it for himself. And then he said something shocking to the interviewer. This is what he said. He said, hey man, I don't have those answers yet. The emphasis now is on success and personal gain. I'm sitting in it, and I'm telling you, that's not it. I'm the guy who's got everything, I know, but I'm telling you, once you've got everything, then you're just left with yourself. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, it doesn't help you sleep any better, and you don't wake up any better because of it. But it's not just Brad Pitt that's realized that when you make it to the top, it's not what makes and gives you meaning in life. Also, NBA superstar Kevin Durant also asked by an interviewer how his life had changed and how he felt now that he finally had won an NBA championship. And this was his answer. He said, after winning that championship, I learned that much hadn't changed. I thought it would fill a certain void. It didn't. So my wife has a niece in Mexico who has become a YouTube sensation. She's become this big time influencer with millions of followers and um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky if maybe 50 people watch one of my sermons, hundreds of thousands flock to watch her try different cereal brands. So, so I'm, I'm not jealous, or as kids say, I'm not jelly, okay? And as a result, she's obtained financial success, she's been invited to do commercials, she's been invited to try out new products and go to award show. 
but behind the scenes, she's been battling with depression because of personal things that have been going on in her life. And in fact, she had to step aside from her YouTube channel to take care of those things. And in the process, when she came back, she realized how hard it was to regain her audience. In fact, she, she was part of a BBC documentary that was exploring why is it that so many of the big time influencers in the world suffer from severe depression. So, if good looks, if fame, fortune, Adoring fans didn't cut it for Brad Pitt, Kevin Durant, or big time influencers. What makes you think that what you have deemed as success for your life will cut it for you? And the answer is, it won't. See, there's a problem that all of us have, and this is something that we all experience, and it's this. Nothing temporary can ever fulfill us because we were made for eternity. Nothing temporary can ever fulfill us because we were made for eternity. That's why celebrities, athletes, um, billionaires, well-known people, none of them can violate this principle. It's also the reason why we live in the wealthiest and most prosperous time in human history, and yet there's so much dissatisfaction. See, your creator that loves you made you for much more than what our society believes is success. And so this is really not a Christian problem. It's a human problem. That's why maybe you're here today as part of your New Year's resolution. You're exploring Christianity. You want to know more about God. And you've been wondering if there's an answer for this very question that you've been wrestling with. And the good news is that there is an answer. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 2,000 years ago, he actually addressed this very issue. Because he knows our hearts he actually said something so incredible that is helpful to us today. And it's recorded in the Bible in a book that we call Matthew. And in Matthew 16, 26, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, he says this, for what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life. Now, other versions use soul instead of life. But what Jesus is saying, what he's getting to is this, that some people have chosen to exchange that which is eternal for that which is temporary, that which is important and life-changing and gives a success for that which will ultimately fade away. Now you know this even in your own life because what was important to you five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 or 20 years ago, you probably don't even think about that anymore. And then the people that you tried to impress back then or whose opinion was important to you, more than likely most of them are not even in your life anymore. 
So the thing is, what you think is important now and what you believe is gonna make you successful now will also eventually fade away. That's why the only thing that can make us successful in life, the only thing that can make our life count for something is the eternal. Now, Jesus Christ, in the same book of Matthew, told a story that's gonna help us with this. And this story that we also call a parable is something that, as you will see, was so important that he told it on two occasions. One occasion, he told it in public to an audience, and then on another occasion, he told it privately to his disciples. And you will see that this story continues to speak to us today. Now, when Jesus was telling this story to his disciples, he was in the middle of a conversation after they had asked what would be the signs of his return and the end times. And Jesus tells them what the signs would be for them to be prepared when he was about to return and when it will be the end of days. Now, Jesus is very clear and adamant that no one knows the day and the hour. So it'd be a waste of time for us to try to spend our life figuring out when exactly is the day. Rather, Jesus is motivating his disciples to focus on the type of life that they should live while they wait for Jesus to come back and also, or whether we're called to his presence. So by telling this to his disciples, he tells this to us as well. Now in this parable or in this story, Jesus talks about this wealthy businessman who all of a sudden has to leave on a journey to take care of pressing business. So he decides that he's gonna leave his estate in the hands of three of his servants. While he is gone, they're gonna manage it. Now, this wouldn't have seemed odd to the disciples because this was pretty common back then. For us, it would be like uh, the owner of a company hiring a CEO to run his company while he has to take care of other business. Now listen to the way that Jesus starts telling this story in Matthew 25, verses 14 and forward. He says this, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and trusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two talents, and to another one, and to another one talent, depending on each ability. Then he went on a journey. First thing we need to understand about this story is that the wealthy businessman represents Jesus, and we were all the servants. And there's a principle that we immediately have to glean from what we've just read, and it's this. Everything you have is entrusted for you to manage rather than possess. Everything you have is entrusted for you to manage rather than possess. See, most people, when they read this very familiar story, they immediately think that when Jesus uses the word talent, uh, he's referring to money, because this was a type of currency back then. And yes, Jesus is referring to money, but he's referring to way much more. A talent represented everything a person would have. So when Jesus is using this, He's also referring to your relationships. He's referring to your employment. 
He's referring to your health. He's referring to your aspirations, for your opportunities to grow, for your goals in life, for the number of days that you live on earth. For everything that you possess, all of that is contained in a talent. And then what we find is that a lot of times when we think about the talent, people are, are just thinking that it's what it represents. But the reality is that all, everything that we have, everything that, that is contained in those talents is what we have been entrusted to by God. And all of that belongs to him. And maybe you might be saying, oh, Juan Carlos, you make it sound so depressing when you say it that way. I don't know if all of that really belongs to God. Well, do you want me to prove it to you? You want, you want the evidence for all of that, that all of that belongs to God? Here's, here's the proof. Whenever you pass away, anything that you can keep is yours. But everything that you return belongs to God. Everything that we have in the end belongs to him. So that's why there's another principle that we need to keep in mind, and it's this. Success for God is not how much you get, but what you do with it. Success for God, very different than what our society tells us, is not how much you get, but what you do with it. So, listen to how Jesus continues the story. Verse 15, immediately the man who had received five talents went, put them to work, and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Spoiler alert. God is not a socialist. It turns out that even though all of us in this room, all of us that are, all of you that are watching online, we all have received tremendous amount of resources in our life. Everything that I, I listed just a moment ago, your, your relationships, your money, your, your opportunities, your health, number of days on earth, we all have been given tremendous amount of resources by God. But we, we're not, we all have not received the same amount of resources. And so what our society does today is that it pushes us to try to compare ourselves, our lives with others. In fact, social media is just a jealousy and envy factory. And so as you look at your friend and you say, why couldn't I be as good looking as him or her? Or maybe you, you look at your coworker or another businessman and you say, why, why can't I earn as much as this person? Or you get upset because you can't afford or go to the same place as the vacation that your neighbor does. When we do this, we've missed the point. Because it's not about comparing ourselves. Rather, it's about using what God has given us for his purpose. So, the story then continues. And then we're given another principle, and the principle is this. Our time to invest will inevitably come to an end. Our time to invest will inevitably come to an end. Listen to what Jesus says now. After a long time, 
the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So Jesus just said, after a long time, the master comes back. We don't know how long that's been. Could have been a year. Could have been a decade. Could have been 50 years. In fact, it could have seemed like the master was actually not coming back. But then the day that he shows up, time to invest is over. Now, it's accountability time. So that's why at the beginning of every new year, it's not simply about setting your personal goals, trying to be healthier, happier this year, obtain all the things that you want. All of those things, I know that they're important, but they shouldn't be the focus of our life. They shouldn't be the priority of who we are. Because when a new year starts, this is what it actually means for us. It means that now we're accountable for another year that has passed. In fact, let me ask you this. How well did you manage God's resources that he entrusted to you last year? How did you invest his resources to expand his kingdom last year? See, what we need to understand is that all of it belongs to him. So Jesus continues the story. Verse 20. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more for you. Five more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. The man with two talents also approached. He said, master, you gave me two talents. See, I've earned two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. So the first two stewards decided that they were going to prioritize their master's agenda. Everything that they had, all of the resources they had in in their life would serve for the purpose of honoring their master. And as a result, they duplicate their investment. So now they stand in front of their master to give an account. And he says these comforting words to them. Well done, good and faithful servants. Now share in the joy of your master. The very first words that he tells them. So question. When it's your turn, when it's my turn, to stand before God, what will be his first words to us? Many of you actually met our incredible worship leader, Liz Magallan. Um, Liz was the most vocally talented person I have ever met. And I admired her not only because of her incredible voice, but because of the way that she loved God and she loved other people and impacted so many people around her. Then unexpectedly, we received the tragic news on Sunday, May 26, 2021, that Liz had been killed in a car accident 
on her way back to Sugar Creek. We were devastated. How was it that this talented, loving, beautiful young lady was now gone at barely the age of 25? When I went to the funeral at McAllen, I was amazed to see the number of people that were there at her funeral. Because you have to remember, this was still during the COVID shutdowns. People were still nervous about going to public places and gathering with, with crowds. And yet, in that building, there were over a thousand people that had gathered to honor the memory of Liz and many more online. And then I'll never forget the hundreds of young people that were bawling their eyes out with heavy hearts crying while Liz was being buried because of the impact that she had caused in their lives. How is it that this young lady at barely the age of 25 was, was able to have such an impact in so many people? Because I tell you, I've been to many funerals. I've been to funerals of pastors, of leaders, of more well-known people, and I've never seen anything like the love that was displayed that day for Liz and because of her impact. In fact, I wonder, what were the first words that Liz heard when she stood before God? I believe that the reason why she had such an impact is because she took this principle seriously. And she understood that what she had from God was an opportunity to invest in and to honor God in everything that she did. That's why if you forget everything else that I've shared today, if you disregard you know, what, whatever I'm saying today, this is the one thing, the one thing that you need to take with you that you should not forget, that you need to hold on to, and it's this. Live in such a way that the first words you hear from God will be, well done good and faithful servant. Let us live, all of us, in such a way that the first words we hear from God will be, well done, good and faithful servant. But there is then, Jesus continues with the story. Verses 24 and following. The man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. So here was someone that had received a tremendous amount of resources. Just like all of us, he, he, he received a talent which contained the resources that belonged to the master. And what he did is that he decided to neglect the talent. And in the process, he wasted his life. And then in addition to that, you can tell that he doesn't really know the master because he, he starts by approaching the master with the same polite address as the other two servants. But then he rapidly diverges to Blame the master for what he had done. Goes, well, it's not really my fault. It's your fault. There's no personal accountability. 
There's no recognition of the decisions that he had made. Rather, he blames everything on the master. So it's, it's adding insult to injury. And you have, to, you have to say to yourself, man, can you believe this guy? The audacity of this dude to talk to the master in this way and to behave in that manner? And the answer is yes. Because there's so many people that are living like that today that they have decided to use their resources for their own benefit rather than for God and his kingdom. In fact, maybe you're living like that right now. So, this is where we need to understand the next principle, and it's this. A squandered life, a wasted life, prioritizes our personal agenda with what belongs to God. A squandered life prioritizes our personal agenda with what belongs to God. So now the reaction from the master. Listen to what he says now in verse 26. His master replied, you evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with the bankers and I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. And maybe you're saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That kind of seems harsh. What do you mean evil and lazy? More like irresponsible, right? That seems like an overreaction. Well, actually it's not. Because number one, just as I've mentioned, this servant had been given many different resources. But the other thing is that he intentionally disregarded what the master wanted. And instead of investing those resources, he neglected it and he put his personal agenda before the agenda of the master. See, this went beyond irresponsibility. This was evil. It's kind of like what happened to Bernie Madoff. You might recall the story of Bernie Madoff, this former stockbroker who ran this multi-billion dollar uh, investment firm. And he ran it as a grand scale Ponzi scheme. And when investigators went through what he did, they realized, and he admitted, that he had mismanaged and he had robbed over $50 billion that belonged to his investors. Now, after they investigated him, no one said, well, you know, anyone could have a lapse in judgment. Anyone can have a bad day. No, they knew it was evil. That's why he went to prison. Because this guy decided that he was going to put his agenda before the agenda of those who's the money, who the money belonged to. And we do the same, whether you're a Christian or not. When we decide to live our lives according to our personal agenda instead of the agenda of the master. So, we finally come to the end of the story. And Jesus says this in verse 28. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And throw this good for nothing servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. First two disciples, 
or the first two servants, they were good stewards and true disciples. The third one, he wasn't. In fact, now, because of that, he stands in judgment before God. Now, let me clarify this. This parable is not about salvation. It's a motivation to us to be good stewards, that we will use what God has given us for his glory until he returns. So what do we do with this? And how do we actually do that? Well, let me give you three quick suggestions, and I'll be over, about what you need to do in order to truly be successful in life and that your life will count for something. Not, not as our society tells us, not as our world tells us today, but truly have an impact for this life and for eternity. The first thing is this. Love the talent giver more than the talents. Love the talent giver more than the talents. See, it's not about what you have. It's not about your possessions. It's not about what you could buy. It's not about what you own. All of those things in time, all of them will fade away. So that's not where our focus should be. Rather, our focus should be on the one that gives us the possessions and understanding how we can love him and honor him. The second thing that we need to do is this. We need to prioritize God's agenda. Prioritize God's agenda. Yeah, we all want to be happy. We all want things. That's part of our human nature. But the reality is this. When we prioritize our own agenda, that's when we live unsatisfied lives like everyone else that has tried it. And the last thing is this. Rely on God to invest in his kingdom. Rely on God to invest in his kingdom. How do you use your resources to glorify God? What decisions do you make on a daily basis? Well, that's where you need God's wisdom. That's where you need God to direct you. So ask him, and he's the one that will guide you. So imagine the day, just imagine the day that you and I will stand before God. What will be his first words to us? Live in such a way, let us all live in such a way that the first words that we hear from God will be well done, good and faithful servant. And let us live this year in the hope that we have of honoring Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for a new year another incredible resource that you give us. But we understand that we are accountable to all of this because you love us and you give us these things out of your free will so we can choose to honor you back with what belongs to you. Forgive us because many times we're selfish and the only thing that we think of is ourselves. But I ask that as followers of Jesus Christ that you would help us prioritize your agenda, love you more, and ask you to help us invest in your kingdom. I ask for those that are here or are online that still do not know you or your son, Jesus Christ, as their savior, that they would come to faith as well and understand that that's the only thing that can make our life count for something. We love you and we thank you for 2023 
We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.